0: You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next 1000000 i I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today, I have a female powerhouse in the direct response industry. I'm very excited to announce Laura Catella will be joining us today. So welcome, Laura. Hi, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I'm I'm very excited for this interview. I've been waiting for this for a while. Uh, we've been chatting online and we've known each other for a little bit, but we haven't uh, really connected. So, Laura, can you tell me and our audience a little bit about yourself and, you know, where you're at right now in your career?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I am most known as a copywriter, copywriting coach and writing coach. I've been writing copy professionally for we're coming on 13 years now, which is wild, you know. I'm aged like a like a fine wine. And During this crazy journey and tenure, I have grown some of my own brands in the health supplement and beauty categories. And in coaching a lot of writers, I've really tapped into some of the mindset leverage points that are beneficial to so many entrepreneurial type folks, or be that if you're a freelancer or a consultant uh, or a course creator. Um that's kind of like the missing link I've noticed for a lot of people. And that those answers came about when folks would ask me, how do you do it? You know, how do you do it all? How how have you done it for so long? And when folks, you know, maybe some of your audience um feels like they want to bounce around from one thing to another, or if um you for the folks who are watching feel like an imposter in one category or another, or if you're gonna be exposed. We may not always realize how often that holds us back. Yeah. And getting to unlock that door for people to storm out of is incredibly uh, fulfilling.
0: So, so you're talking a lot about mindset. So I'm going to just get right into it. Mm -hmm. What happens to you? Like, I mean, everybody has bad days, right? Everybody has a time when maybe they don't feel good enough or they did something wrong or they didn't perform the way they did. So in your case, when that happens, what are two or three things that you do to get yourself out of the funk and kind of push forward?
1: Man, thank you so much for asking me that because I felt that way literally like last night and this morning you know, and it tends to creep in at the end of the day for me anyway, when I'm just laying in bed and I'm feeling like I'm not as far along as I want to be. Right. And I have a few, but my most favorite and useful way to get out of this is to remember to think long-term. Humans are not hardwired to think long-term. Like the average lifespan was 30, like, a century ago, like really not long ago. But I think for so many people, especially those who are watching, if they could remember, there's a, there's a high chance that if people just stick with what they're doing at the rates that they're already at, they will get there and they will get what they want. You know, it's like, if you put in Uh, a destination on Google Maps, right? So you have to get somewhere very, very important, right? And you have to be there in five hours. You put in the destination and the map says, you'll get there in three and a half hours. Does it make sense to speed then? Does it make sense to run a red light, right? No. And yet in, for so many business people, we speed, we run red lights and that's where we actually get derailed and held back versus taking a deep breath and staying the course, staying the path. So when I'm in my shit, which again, it does happen to all of us, doesn't it? Yeah. Tell myself, Laura, you're on track, stay the course. Awesome. Good. Well, I mean,
0: I, I agree with you. I have, I've been doing this. I've been in... I guess, online industry for about 16 years. Obviously I started in a a very different path. I'm not a writer, but I was doing, uh, working in the adult space on the business side. And when people ask me is similar to you, I feel like if I just go through the motions, I keep doing like consistency like this mm-hmm. podcast you know it started 20 downloads 30 downloads okay keep going keep going keep going let's see how far we can get so consistency and seeing the long term that's the seeing the long term is hard for me sometimes because i i like instant gratification like mm-hmm. i like i like doing something and getting like a 100 bucks from it right away you know so it's kind of yeah. hard you know sometimes to, to think okay what am i going to be but do you envision yourself like do you have a goal of like, I want to be this or this successful or whatever. And you kind of have that stored in your brain. So whenever you get there, you have
1: that goal in mind. I try to, uh, you know, I'll, you might hear so many other gurus who are like, you know, visualize and manifest and say yeah. you already have it and all of this stuff. And I dabble around in it. I wouldn't say that's like my swimming pool, so to speak. Yeah, But... I do try to focus on process-oriented goals versus the outcome, right? Because when you put an offering out there, you put your podcast out there, of course you want it to take off and go viral and get hundreds and thousands of downloads really, really quickly. And that would be great. Um, but as if you stick to a process-oriented goal of, well, no matter what happens, I'm going to create a hundred episodes of the podcast. And sometimes it's on that 99th, 100th episode (laughs) that you finally get that that virality or at least that momentum that you were looking for. So process-oriented goals help me with that. That's awesome. So have you ever taken your Colby score, by the way?
0: I I have not, I have not. Oh, it's the best,
1: it's the best. uh, It's not, I wouldn't even really call it a personality test. It is more about how you work and how you interpret information and how you interact with the world. And oh. so there's a category in it called quick start. And if you're a high quick start, which a lot of entrepreneurs are, you may, you probably are one. Yeah. You know, it's something if you hear an idea that you like and you want to implement, it's almost like you have an itch like to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, or Yeah. Now. no, I mean, one of my
0: biggest, uh, you know, now, and I feel like you're giving me advice, but, you know, I, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are like this, too, is that. I I'd like to see instant gratification. I am consistent, Uh, but you know the thing about my personality that most comes out is that I'm always wanting to learn something else. I need challenges, and I I I get bored easily, which I hear a lot from people. And it's a you know shiny object syndrome, and mm-hmm. you know seeing that like, hey, I've been doing this for so long. What if I do this? What if I do that? So how do you balance that? Because you're so you know you're a copywriter, you're a marketer, uh, marketer offer owner. You do so much like how do you avoid you know always kind of bouncing around well
1: I think that funny enough getting better at avoiding the bouncing around also comes with time because I think there is a stage at the beginning of our journeys where it makes sense to dabble and try different things if you're interested in them and you have a proclivity towards them But over time, you'd still be multi-passionate and multi-hyphenate, which is where you have many different talents, Yeah, but you kind of know your three or four buckets (laughs) that those fall into versus, and we see these types of ads all the time, right? You might see, or, or at least content, right? Here's this great TikTok affiliate marketing strategy, you know, you could get paid 20 bucks per lead. Right. And I'm like, well, shit, I could do that. But (laughs) now now, after all these years, I know it's not in, it's not in one of my buckets. So that's another thing that, No, no. I mean, I think that comes with age also and it comes with
0: experience, you know, knowing um, what you're good at and so forth. So I will find my, my Kobe score. I do, I do have something that I find very funny and I don't know if you see this in a lot of entrepreneurs or people that you work with. I make decisions very quickly, like abnormally quickly, like abnormally, Mm -hmm. like my husband sometimes will be like, just think about it for like a second. I'm like, no, 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 just do this. And I always say that it's just better to make a decision and correct later because odds Mm -hmm. are I'll figure it out versus sit there and ponder about something for, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, it is what it is, just get it done. Uh, and I, I, I'd be curious to know what my personality, what what that says about me. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's, it's sometimes it, it, gets people all annoyed with me because my team, I'll do that. Like we're on a call and I'll make like six decisions in like five seconds. And they'll be like, no, no, don't you want to analyze? I I don't want to analyze anything. I just want to get shit done. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So so I I will, I'll get you uh, to give me some information about the quiz and we're going to, we're going to pop it down in there. I think it'll give some people some insight. So are you finding that Freelancers and entrepreneurs are very similar uh, because you talk a lot about entrepreneurs and mindset, but is that the same mindset for freelancers as well?
1: I think, yes, for a lot of the freelancers that I have coached, at okay. least. A lot of them became freelancers because they want this level of freedom and autonomy, right? Um, they don't want to be tied to a nine to five. Yeah whatever freedom and autonomy means to you. You want to be able to travel. Um, they want to set a good example for their family about what they can do as a, as a free individual. Yeah. What an interesting phenomenon that I find in my coaching is because then a freelancer gets to a certain level, they become very familiar with how to get new clients, how to serve them and, you know, the good freelancers, right? Yeah. How to do a really good job. And then they want to go to this next tier which is well creating their own products or creating their own offers doing more consulting versus ongoing in my case copywriters right writing the words of copy and then they hit another ceiling because when it comes time if they want to boost you know their their monthly recurring revenue they go to the familiar which is taking on another client oh i'm, I'm going to get another client or if they lose one client their income dips They go back to the familiar of taking on another client. And yet what they really want to do is try this new thing and put out this new offer. But because it's unfamiliar, I work with them to break down the micro steps they could take and how can they position themselves when releasing their own offerings for tremendous upside with very little upfront work and effort. So we micro step our way into that so that they don't have to build $40,000 funnels, you know, just to see if something works. There are, there are ways around that.
0: Okay. So do you, do you usually suggest like if somebody's a copywriter successful, that they stop the copy and then focus on a new project? How do you, and this is a challenge I have also is that, you know, I have, let's say the media stuff, and then I have the work and managing the team. Like, how do you Maybe you could tell us how you do it, but how do you manage being a copywriter, a marketer, an offer owner, a mastermind, uh, you know, a guru and creating like how do you how do you decide what how much time goes into everything and and managing it? Cause I mean, for us outsiders, we see you, let's say, on social and just, you know, we see you around, and it seems like almost all of it is successful. So how how do you do it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's why I started Diamond Day, because people ask me how I do it. Um <laughs> Yeah. So that took time as well, because and especially in America, we tend to like our occupation is our identity. Right. And what we do is our identity. So if I'm a copywriter, then and if I'm going to switch, I'm going to switch to an offer owner. I'm going to switch to an entrepreneur. And then I just realized that's bullshit. Not like I am a copywriter. I'm a marketer. I'm an offer owner. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm all of it. Yeah, And the goal that I love to bring people through on this journey is how can you fluidly move from one to the other when it most serves you, when it most interests you? So I still take on copywriting clients, very few, admittedly, very few, but I still do it when I want to. And when, um, you know, they'll, they'll pay my fees. Right? <laughs> and setting that sort of that barrier to to entry gives me the time for all the other things I want to pursue, right? But if I was stuck in I'm copywriter identity and I have to vet and consider and maybe take on every single lead that comes my way, then I'm never getting the chance to build out my mastermind or build out my mindset course or all of this other stuff. So it helps to say no, right? And get very clear on, who are the type of clients I would be willing to work with and serve, and the money part? Like, how much are they prepared to invest? Yeah. If they're not hitting that criteria, that's great. We could still be friends. Could maybe refer them to somebody who's a good fit. But it's not that I'm losing anything. That's part of the fear and a perceived risk, right? That a lot of copywriters have. If I say no, I'm losing this four or five thousand dollars a month. What if? you're actually opening yourself up to everything else you could create and you're not losing anything. Now, of course, that's going to require some discipline. So you don't spend those hours that you're not servicing that client sitting on your ass thinking Netflix, TikTok, right? You're spending those hours working on your own shit. Yeah. And I think that sort of prioritization and delineation of time is one of the ways that I'm able to do it. Well, that's, that's interesting, you know, prioritizing
0: and, you know, prioritizing is something that, again, is, is, I don't think it's a sexy topic, but it's, it's, it's important. And a lot of people just do things chronologically. And I Mm -hmm. used to do this myself. Like I had an inbox and I just go do one after the other. And I started myself doing, I was like, well, you know, who's going to bring me the most money. That's who gets answered to first. You know what I mean? And what's the best opportunity and what do I enjoy doing the most? So um, that's interesting that you say that is, you know, prioritizing and really blocking off time seems to be uh, quite a nice way of of managing your time. Now, out of all these things, though, that you're doing, what's your favorite? Like what you're like, what are you the most passionate about right now that you're
1: like, I, I would want to do this 100 hours a week? You know what? I love speaking on stage. I really love teaching on stage Um, I like to be motivational too. Um, but I'm just not a big fluff, not a big fluffer, you know. (laughs) I even watch like some training on how to be a really good public speaker, and a lot of is is teaching you how to be a better fluffer. Okay. Which I think there's utility to that here and there, getting people pumped up or giving them a little like slogan, you know, that they could (laughs) say or they could cheer or whatever. Like, I'm a funnel hacker, you know, stuff like that. Um, (laughs) but I really love teaching and that was something I struggled with in my identity too, all because of one silly quote, those who can't do teach, right? Hmm. Which is such bullshit. Like Einstein was a teacher, (laughs) right? you know, (laughs) like (laughs) people who can do can also teach and teaching is a skill and a gift. So I really love being able to teach. Seemingly complicated stuff, be that about messaging or positioning or structuring an offer or the mindset you have to have to be able to do all of those things in a way that is simple and makes people understand that they can do it and that they can mess up and still be okay. You can mess up and still be okay. You can have an offer that flops crickets and still be okay. Trust me. It happens to me all the time, (laughs) you know? And if I'm living proof, you have no excuse. Go get your shit out there. So,
0: so, so now let me, let me, let me put you right in the, in the line of fire. Tell me something I really bombed. Like something (laughs) I was like, Oh, that was really bad.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay. I got a fresh, I got a freshie too. Oh, Okay. Good, good. Juicy. So I wait and the chip on my shoulder may come out to one of the, I'm going to divert first with a story. One of the, one of the gals, cause she, my coaching clients help me all the time and I always give them credit. So one of the gals I mentor with, uh, her name is Alyssa Dillon. She just ran an event called Moneymaker Alive. It was great. I got to speak at it and she has a chip on her shoulder. I noticed it when she's on stage and she'll talk about, you know, people who dropped out of her mastermind right there on stage. And you can just see, she's a little bit pissed off about it. And I liked that. You know, most people are not so raw and authentic. And when things go wrong and people say no to them and and stuff like that. And I think it's part of she's got a really magnetic tribe. You know, they're just glued to her. They love her. And I think that was part of her magic. And so I just look at her and I say, you know what I like about you? (laughs) She's like, what? Like, you got a chip on your shoulder. And I have tried one of the things I struggle with on social media is wanting to appear perfect you know? And even when I share my vulnerabilities, I can't help but be a little bit calculated about it. I think, you know, you do marketing for 13 years and it becomes second nature to be calculated in everything you share. And she was just way more raw and authentic and vulnerable than I tend to be. So it's because of you, Alyssa, if you're listening, that I am going to share this, which I might not usually share so quickly, but I run a group of women mostly copywriters in a slack channel called Athena group and i made an offering to them this is a group of about 42 women who i've given a lot of value to over over a year now in a free in a free group <laughs> job nice. opportunities networking strategies connecting them to one another all this stuff and so i made them an offering And none of them took me up on it. And it was insane. Like, I'm not going to even reveal what the offering was to the public because it truly was private to them, which I told them. um, It was going to take care of their needs as copywriters, mindset stuff. It was just a big ass juicy, in my opinion, irresistible package. Okay. And crickets, not a one, not, not a one took me up on it. And so there you go. Can I, can I make an offer that flops and still be okay? Hey, here I am the very next day. <laughs> like I'm totally fine. <laughs> like, well, now onward. I think
0: a lot of people listening are going to be like, I want to, I want in on that offer. So
1: <laughs> you might get some people going
0: back in there. Well, I mean, that's, See, so it may
1: work out, right? There's yeah, a, there you go. really know how things <laughs> might play out. So you just keep fucking going. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, I if have... anybody's super interested in that, they could DM me. <laughs> Oh, okay.
0: There you go. Okay. So we have an offer. We're going to be putting awesome. some links down below in the episode, guys. <laughs> We're going to have a couple of things, but yeah, I mean, you know, you don't know something that flops, like how in a couple of, a couple of weeks, a couple of years, something, yes. something comes back. I mean, it's, you know, it's karma and, and, and just energy, I feel moves in different directions. Um, That's so, you nice. know, you put something out there, it sucks. And you know, I've made <laughs> mistakes before, like at the beginning of my career, I got sued for like $25,000. Cause I just, fucked something up doesn't sound like it depends where you are in your journey 25,000 at that point when I was making 17,000 sure. was like holy fuck I'm screwed what the hell am I going to do I'm going to be obliterated and, you know, I learned a couple of things that it actually really helped me in my business because I knew not to make that mistake. So I was actually very grateful for that lawsuit um, mm-hmm. because I was like, I am never going to fucking say shit like that to a client. <laughs> so <laughs> that was that was good. But you're talking about, you know, women and so forth. Do you find, you know, when you're coaching women versus men and entrepreneurs, women versus men, is it very different? Is there something that's like really defining for men versus
1: defining for women? generally no but i would say one of the more subtle yet important differences that i've seen is women crave more permission and men crave more clarity okay men men uh the men that i coach you know they're more like i could do this or i could do this or i could do this, or, I could do this and you know i could I could do whatever I want. I'm just not sure which thing to do. And sometimes they're not sure why they're doing the thing that they are doing. Um, So those are all clarity type questions to me. Whereas women will generally say, I know I want to do this, but I'm just not ready yet. Or I need to do this other random ass thing first. Or I need some sort of permission, some sort of proof for somebody to say that, I'm allowed to talk about this or I'm allowed to offer this. And so I'll tell them I'm the anointer and I've anointed them ready and they're ready to go. And I say that to break the automation and cast the light on how silly this concept of somebody else has to give you permission is, especially in this, you know, you're not, uh um, conducting brain surgery on anybody you know
0: for sure yeah you're not it's not mm-hmm. a life. i mean it's you know people's money is important but it's not a life or death situation so do you find like when you're you, there's those subtleties but in terms of like making money and so forth are women now uh, at least in your sphere starting to command the higher rates and stuff like that do you still find that women have that kind of money block or you know i do i sure do and how do you how do you um, overcome that? Give, now you're giving me advice specifically. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of women listening are
1: going to feel the same. So one thing I find helpful in because I also charge a lot, and that's why I I hear no a lot, which is fine, part for the course. Okay. Um, the the fee that you're asking for is a call for your clients to step up. The investment that they're making in and of themselves is going to create a shift. They're going to place a value on whatever it is you go through with them. It's going to up-level them. Just the act of investing. That's why when you get people who join a mastermind or whatever, they've made some sort of investment in themselves, they feel different before they've consulted with you. They feel different before they've absorbed the course, whatever it is, because they've done the thing. So... By you saying what your rate is, you're actually giving them the opportunity to become more empowered by working with you. And thinking of it that way could begin in its practice, could begin to alleviate that that moment of cringe. Would you say you're tied to the outcome?
0: Um, yes, because I I often do more than I should. Um, because I feel like, again, I
1: don't know what I don't know. Well, well, let me just, let me just uh, make my question more clear real quick. Are you, are you attached to the outcome of them saying yes or no to you right now? No. Mm -mm. That's good. Yeah, because I've
0: <laughs> you know, I, I reached a certain level, made some certain investments and I, I'm, you know, financially I have, you know, I know like I've done a, lo- a little bit of work on myself and I do have some money blocks and things that always came in just because of my childhood and a lot of, you know, I don't like to make excuses, but I lived, you know, some, some hardships uh, mm-hmm. financially when I was a kid. I started working when I was like 13 and all this stuff just because, you know, money was a big focus in my family and, and financial freedom. Uh, but now, you know, I, I, I like to get projects, but if somebody says, no, it's not going to be like, I don't have food on the table kind of thing, or I can't pay my rent or, or anything like that. So right. there's always a, less stress. Uh, but when, when they do say yes, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly over delivering. Cause I wanted to be like, Maria was the best ever. There's nobody better. She, you know, was, was the shit, you know, that I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't make any mistakes by, by hiring her. So there's always that kind of looking for, um, you know, some approval, I guess, of some sort, just to kind of continue like patting myself on the back that, yeah, I know what I'm doing kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you think there's anything wrong with that part of it?
0: Um, I, 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 I do think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty alpha. in in the way that I think. And I think the way that I act, I, you know, I tend to have more male friends and stuff like that, but there is that female side of me. I think that always needs that little approval a little bit more for people to say, you know, Maria did a good job or, you know, and, and that, so I guess, I guess that's something I need to work on is to, to have that self. I don't, I don't even know what to call it, but just I'm confident, but yet I still feel like I need to hear that.
1: I mean, you called it something to work on. I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, because it shows that you care and caring is important and you want the feedback from your customers. So what I think you're doing right is you're putting this care in at the right time. The mistake that a lot of women make is they give all of this stuff before they ever get paid (laughs) because they want to get validated and they think giving all of that stuff is what's going to get them paid. When it, in fact, does the opposite, it helps ensure they don't get paid, not just because they've given everything for free and the other person does not value it because they didn't step up and make that investment. It's also potentially overwhelming to the prospect. So I had a client who would get on. She told me she had a time management problem and I'm like, time management problem. What are you doing with your time? She's like, I'm on these hour long, two hour long sales calls. Why do sales calls last two hours? <laughs> and she's saying, Well, you know, I'm giving them all this value. I'm telling them all these things they could do. I'm like, are you closing anybody? She's like, no. <laughs> like one, yeah, the, the obvious is you're giving everything away for free, and that's a problem. <laughs> but the other problem is you are overwhelming them. You are not putting them on a path to make a decision to hire you. <laughs> so you only get to be on the phone for 20 minutes. <laughs> and then you they make the choice, yes or no, and you move forward. And so, but it's so funny. She thinks the problem is time management, but it's actually this: I'm I have to prove myself. I have to prove myself. I have to prove myself. Yeah. One of the ways I help with that generally, because from what I'm hearing from you, there's some of the same. You just do it at a better time after they've paid, which is a huge (laughs) improvement.
0: (laughs) Huge. I learned that after a couple of years because I used to (laughs) for other customer did. I
1: talked to people for like hours and that that had to stop. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Huge improvement. Um. But I tell myself, B, don't prove. So at networking events, for example, and we go to a lot and there's this, what do you do? What have you done? And you kind of get into this performance and you do the dance. You know, I've just, we've been in this game for so long, I just opt out. I just hang back. Sometimes people ask me what I do. I say I'm a poet. I'm like, I don't even know how they let me in here. They're gonna kick me out any second. And then and then people laugh and they'll ask follow-up questions. And I may say something like, uh, what I'm most what I'm most known for is being a copywriter. So there's like this, this cool embedded authority, like people know me as a copywriter. It's true. It's a fact, you know, I'm not bullshitting, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but it also takes this pressure off of. I'm a copywriter and I've done all these millions of dollars in sales, blah, blah, blah. Just much more hanging back. And that turns out to have a gravity to it, right? People want to come to you and people want to know you. So that's a little mantra I'll run in my head. Be, don't prove. That's That's wonderful. And the community piece is so important. Yeah, You know, for my friends out there and anybody who's watching who struggles with anxiety uh, or spiraling thoughts or anything like that, I would really encourage you, please, please, please never worry alone. Never worry alone. That's when it gets dark. That's when things get worse. Reach out to anybody and have that group, s- establish that group when things are good. <laughs> so that you know, I think of it as a water slide and then, okay, I just got to go down my water slide to the group, it's already there. So that you have the the group of people to go to when when you're in a darker place. It's so important.
0: Yeah and it, I mean it is it is hard to network in general so uh you know h- how do you find these groups how do you how do you get like I mean there's people that are rallied around you so I feel like it's easy right easier for you right now cuz you're you know obviously you're Laura Catella and you've done so many great things but for people out there kind of looking to find their group do you find masterminds are the best way to go do you h- how how do you go about finding your
1: people That's a great question um I mean, for our community, our communities are my people and a lot of us and those who are watching have probably felt like oddballs or they don't quite fit in because for whatever reason, they're a little bit different than the normal pack of, you know, you you go to work and you come home and you watch TV and you go to bed and all that. So... Ever since the first internet marketing event that I went to, I was like, oh, ah, here, here we are, you know, (laughs) we can talk about marketing and conversion rates and all this nerdy stuff that, you know, you try to talk to your friends and family about, oh, you know, that the button on that website should really be in a contrasting color. (laughs) Like, what you're so boring. What are you talking like, about? Get a life. But like, we could stay up until 3am talking about that stuff. And then that opens up to other conversations about mindset and identity and all of that, all of that cool stuff too. So yeah, I, I love masterminds. I always have. I'm a big believer in, in pay to play. You know, if you want to, and if you're able to invest in a mastermind that feels a little bit like a stretch it's never not up-leveled me. It's never not gotten me the ROI. It's like, I've been able to connect with so many people, amazing people with decades more experience than me. So in just one conversation with them, I could get 10 years of experience downloaded into my brain, you know? And luckily I'm one of those people who can learn, not always, but sometimes I can learn from the mistakes of others without having to do the same mistakes they made. And that, who knows how much fucking money that has saved me, right? So investing in a mastermind, whatever the stretch is for you, because they're available at any tier. Um, Couple thousand dollars a year, all the way up 50, $100,000 a year, whatever it is. But that is what will give you that exponential leap and those connections that you wouldn't otherwise have. And when people say stuff like, And it's not many folks in our community anymore. But I remember when I was a a beginner and so I was hanging around more beginners, (laughs) they would want everything to be free. Why are you if you're so great and you could teach us all this? Well, why wouldn't you teach it for free? But the irony is, is the person saying that also wants to make money. Well, (laughs) it's like, no, no wonder you're not making money because you want everything to be free. (laughs) And then therefore everything is free to you, but it's really nothing. You really have nothing. Right. Yeah. So I think of it as the pipe, right. There's just one money pipe. Okay. And if you're clogged on the end that goes out, the receiving end is clogged. It's the same fucking pipe. Yeah. So big believer in, in pay to play and pay to get into these rooms, um, that you norm, normally wouldn't get it. So, Laura, let me ask you one final question. Um,
0: this is, a, we're going to go back to a little bit of tactical. Sure. Because I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit of the tactical information. You know, you went from all these different roles. Is there something not mindset related that maybe, uh, like skill wise, like you're a copywriter, how did you become a marketer after being, you know, cause I feel like marketer is a more kind of umbrella term where, you know, you can buy traffic, you can, you know, run a list and all this kind of stuff. So how did you do that specific transition? Was there somebody that was instrumental or some course that you took?
1: So Stefan Georgia was okay. a huge inspiration. Um, You know, and many people in our space know the story of I showed him what copywriting was. But what we don't often talk about that much is when I saw him create his first supplement offer, I was like, oh, I could do that. (laughs) And it had gotten to the point where just in wanting to be a phenomenal copywriter, you're going to learn a lot of other stuff. Right. You're going to see. Honestly, thinking of it in terms of like the funnel, a sales funnel in terms of well, where's the hole? And this might sound like basic instruction, but it's wild how many people still mess this up, especially when they're in it, because it's much harder to see. Mm -hmm. But if you look at here's here, your front end ads, here's the opt in page, here's the offer page, whatever the funnel looks like. And if and I learned as a copywriter to begin to look for the hole, like where's the big drop-off rate? Like, is there a good click-through rate on the ad, but the opt-in rate is poor? Okay, then it's the opt-in page. Or if they're opting in and not buying, then it's the copy on that page. Or if they're not taking the upsell, okay, we can improve the upsell. Where's the hole? Where's the leverage point? Where's where's the small hinge that opens the biggest door that could get us the most exponential gain? And viewing everything about marketing through that, right? So if I were to analyze somebody's ESP and everything that's going on in there, okay, how well are we? Inboxing, saying, what is our open rate? And just, you look for the hole in the emails, you look for the hole in the funnel, so on and so forth. And the follow-up, right? Um, how's our, how's our LTV? What's our churn rate? So that is how I started to think less like a copywriter and more like a marketer. Mm-hmm. And I will still, it's my copywriter bias. So I will definitely <laughs> default to Copy can probably fix that. <laughs> you know, if just fix the copy here, it could probably fix that hole. Sometimes it can, sometimes it can't, right? Yes. Sometimes it's it's a design issue or it's a tech issue, surprisingly, very often a tech issue. And that's where other hands come in. And then just getting the experience over time, knowing, okay, I need to have the tech guys like test this every single way out of the ass, and then we'll find that on the iPhone, like the button doesn't work. And you're like, there's the hole. We found the hole.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yeah. And then, so kind of learning that through years and years of just wanting to be the best copywriter and bring the best results to my clients. And then seeing Stefan launch through trial and error and pain, and then getting there and having his own successful offers. I was like, it's time. And I, I got a little fatigued servicing clients as it goes. Yeah. Um. I was like, it's time for me to start my own offers. And so I did. And then very similarly, trial, error, pain. And then you start growing a successful offer because there is a, a distinction between an offer owner and a business person. <laughs> yeah. And a, 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 yeah, <laughs> and a lot, we see a lot of, these are a lot of the folks who come to Diamond Day too. It's funny, Diamond Day is all about like that next. So, but then you really do them all at once. It's not linear. The so language, language requires we speak linearly. Um, but you get this offer and it starts to work. And now you're doing big numbers, six figures a month, whatever it may be. And you're like, oh, shit, I got to learn how to run a business. <laughs> I have to forecast. I have to lead a team. You know, I have to have contingencies if things break. I need to bring in people who are better than me at certain stuff. And that's a huge... I mean, what a mind fuck that is, right? Because you go from being, <laughs> I'm, I am the best at every single part of the business to, well, we need somebody better than me at operations to come in, right? Because I'm not an operations genius. That's not my cloth. So we need a, a new cloth over here. How do we uh, enroll that person into our vision so that they really will, will go after it with 80% of the fury that I'm going to go after it? And so that's a whole other new skill set, a whole new mindset, a whole new category to play in. So it's just been a, it's an awesome journey. And I love every single piece of it. And every single piece of it builds on the other. That's why I would never say I'm not a copywriter anymore. It's just silly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice to hear that, you know, you, I don't like titles in general. Like I don't, like whatever I'm, whoever I am, I'll do whatever I need to do. And it's nice to hear that, you know, you don't minimize the title of copywriter because it is important, but you are, you know, obviously you've graduated from that and you've done a lot more. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think the lesson that I learned from that is, you know, if you're a great copywriter and you're, you know, you're doing well, just jump into offer owning and you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll, you'll (laughs) learn all the lessons. Uh, And I will link down below guys, the episode that I did with Stefan. So I do have uh, a really rocking episode and we can learn from him as well. Uh, But Laura, this was Awesome. And thank you for helping me personally. I think, you know, I hope people who are listening have, you know, identify with, I think a lot of women, especially can identify with a couple of things that I said and and guys as well, you know uh, we try to cater to everybody, but uh, in, in the direct response world, but thank you so much for all the information you shared. I'm going to put some links down below uh, of the stuff that you mentioned uh, in the episode. And I thank you so much for your time. It is my absolute pleasure. Thank you for so much for having me. Had a blast. Me too. Thank you, Laura. Have a good day. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, com. That's dot scom I'd love to hear what you're working on, so drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once.